went for one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host, Fino, alongside. Welcome to The Pack, the only place from Michigan State University's campus where you embrace all the sports, talk, and debate. Fino Faith, Matt Behind the Glass, thank you so much for joining us this Monday afternoon. It is a cold one, but it's never too cold to talk about sports here from the basement of Holden Hall from WDBME Slanzing Impact Radio. Again, Fino, and thank you so much for spending your hour of sports talk with us on this cold, brisk Monday evening. Hey, if you want to embrace a Spartan sports debate with us, Faith, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is our number, and indeed, there is a lot to talk about today. Girl Scout Weekend over at the Breslin Center for Michigan State women's team, they finally got their second week and their second win. That's right, a good win for the Michigan State Spartan Lady Spartans. They get their second win in the month of January, 77-71 to victory over Wisconsin. 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten. They got back to 10-10. and 10. Susie Merchant was excited the way their team played. Just need to find a little more consistency. They'll talk about that later in our second segment. But backpelling a little bit, in our first segment, we're talking Michigan State men's hockey, Faith. And it's the first time we've talked about Michigan State men's hockey this season thus far on the show. And we're really embracing it today because it's the first time in over a year a little over a year, if I have to be totally exact, it's 53 weeks since the last time Michigan State got a sweep. That is right, a sweep. And it was not against an inaugural Big Ten team. Last time they did the feat was against Penn State Nittany Lions. This time, it's against the Ohio State Buckeyes. 4-1 on Friday, 2-0 on Saturday. If you like to do good on math, I'm personally not. 6-1, it's a good offensive weekend. But to help us break it all down, Faith, we do have our insider, our Michigan State men's hockey reporter for MSU Impact Sports here at WDBM Impact, Brian Bobo with us here in studio this evening. Brian, good to have you on the show, bud. Oh, thanks for that introduction. Thanks for having me. Finally, we get a great weekend to talk about some hockey. That's right. And guess what? For once in my life, I'm happy to say I'm glad we're not in New Jersey because it is a blizzard back home. <laughs> oh, yeah. 30 inches. Oh, 30 yeah. inches in New Jersey. 30 inches? 30 inches. Wow. Supposed that, to get 30 inches. Yep. Yeah. The Nets are canceled. The Knicks are canceled. All New Jersey sports are canceled. Michigan State men's basketball game tomorrow. It canceled. Is canceled. Mm -hmm. The Jersey effect nationwide. Mm -hmm. That is right. But, Brian, let's bring it back here a little bit. Let's talk about this Michigan State men's hockey team. Hey, they get back to 500 in the conference, 3-3-2. Three, three, and two, And to me, it was a critical sweep because you have Michigan on Friday before that big game over at Soldier Field. So you got Michigan and, again, Michigan. Beautiful jerseys for that game, mm -hmm. that city classic game. But let's just break this down a little bit. Michigan State, to me, needed this game. They're still 9-11-2 overall in the season. But I think Tom and Ask has said this post game. this is one we needed to have. Yeah, and we talked. We, that's what I figured coming into that weekend. Michigan State needed to get at least five out of the six points to remain relevant in the Big Ten standings. And what do they go out and do? They have a, a, pretty much a statement four to one victory Friday night, mm. and then a tougher, tougher game Saturday night. But you know what? Their defense and Jake Hildebrand were again phenomenal and they were able to come out with a sweep. Brian, you took the words out of my mouth, Faith, and you, when we broke down, we saw it was two different games, even though the result was the same, 4-1-2-0. The first game was, to me, a big offensive game for Michigan State. They came out, they slammed it across, and the last two games, hey, they put up some goals, and I understand that. But in the second game where they won 2-0 on Saturday, defense was the MO, and Brian took the words out of my mouth. Jake Hildebrand's play of late has been huge for the Spartans, and I think he's going to be the vertebrae, the backbone of this team going forward. If they're going to make a push 
up these Big Ten standings. Uh, this weekend, they had two capacity crowds, which was mm-hmm. incredible. And That's right. When Tom announced us in his press conference, he was even saying, we had to put on a show for these people. They came out. They wanted to see some good hockey. And I think that's what the Spartans did. And what I liked about Tom Anastas is that this team this weekend was a lot more business-like in terms of they didn't see it just as a game. They pictured it as a full six periods. That's what they called it. So they had the three periods on um, Friday night, and they said we're going to take a little intermission, and we're going to come back, and we're going to finish this. So I liked the approach that they came at it this weekend. It wasn't just one game that they were playing. They really looked at it as they want to win both of these, and they did get this sweep. I'll tell you another guy that I don't know if a lot of people are talking about. Not if people were really – I don't know if people were high on this guy. Personally, I don't know what the buzz was around Mount Ice Arena, but to me, an unsung hero this weekend is forward Ryan Keller. And I was big on Ryan's play. He's plus three this whole weekend. He played great offensively. A goal on Friday, and guess what? A goal on Saturday. So he's consistent. A goal, a goal, plus two, plus one, plus three. Big game for him. He's had three goals in the last four mm-hmm. games. He's hot. And, you know, like you were saying, that line, though, it's Ryan Keller, Thomas Ebbing, and Brent Darnell. That line has been that very good it's offensively. Very hot. You said it. It's a hot line. And to me, that's is that the X factor going forward? 25 and 12. They're both playing great together. But from what the two things I've seen out of these games is, one, that line is gelling. And two, the obvious thing is that they're getting great defense and they're getting great production from their forwards. And Brent Darnell, I mean, that's another thing to bring up. He's had five goals in now his last eight games. So both Ryan Keller and Brent Darnell, both being on the same line, both scoring goals, making assists, everything. Here's what I love about Brent Darnell. He's taking shots. And that game on Saturday took seven shots. And that looks kind of, when you look at that, obtrusive, do I dare to say, but you know, I'm okay with that. I think someone like Darnell, if you're going to stay hot, you got to shoot the, shoot the puck. And I've been a big proponent. Get pucks to the mm-hmm. net. On Saturday, they put off 34 shots. That third period, they're trying to do whatever they could. I understand it's a stalemate, if you want to call it that, a 2 nothing game. But 15 shots in a period, to me, is very good. Coming off a second period on Friday night, which was 14 shots. So you didn't really close the game like you would have liked shot-wise on Friday. But on Saturday, you get 15 shots in that third. 31 shots on Friday, 34 shots on Saturday. Come on, I can't do math. But if you're shooting over and you're getting 30 shots at least a game to the net, you're doing something right. Yeah, and with two performances of over 30 shots this weekend that makes nine out of the last 11 games they've had more than 30 shots and is it a coincidence this team is starting to play really well when you have ryan keller and brent darnell having the stretch that they're having realistically since if you look at this team after that embarrassing defeat at home to minnesota yeah this team is starting to play some really good hockey and that was that was the five nothing game you're yeah. talking about yep. yeah and, th- mm-hmm. and that game was terrible mm-hmm. and, and let's just call it what it is in the month of January, this team has lost once. Mm-hmm. And it's a game to Penn State. Ironically, an ESPNU game, John Butcher, Gross, and Crow, hey, they didn't show the country something nice. But that 5-2 game, to me, was an aberration. What I see, because I think Michigan State is a better team than Penn State. Talent-wise, they're a better team than Penn State. Now, the record doesn't necessarily show that. But when I look at this, and I look at a Michigan State team that has lost one game, and I mentioned it, a game they should not have lost, happened to be a national uh a national televised game, Michigan State is playing huge. And they're playing up to the potential that Tom Anastas has set for this team. And they need to play that way if they're going to win and potentially, do I dare say it, win against Michigan at the Joe and win over at Soldier Field against them. Yeah, and, and it was it was almost like that was a game that they needed to, to play. Mm-hmm. Like, even though you never want to have a loss, but that was a loss that they kind of – it kind of got them to focus because, like you said, Faith, their mentality was very businesslike, and I noticed that when we went to the locker room after the game Friday night, it was it was remarkable and it was good to see because they were finally fed up with all the splits that they've gotten this season. And that was the thing; they weren't. I mean, they were excited nonetheless, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. They weren't um, out outly excited yeah. in terms of like it wasn't super loud music. They were very like, all right, we're moving forward. We're focusing on tomorrow already. Mm-hmm. So, you, and you mentioned that, and that's the attitude this team needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get your first sweep in 53 weeks. We're not going to go out and celebrate like we just won the lottery. <laughs> this is what it is expected of this team. This is the, what I alluded to before. This is the bar that Tom Anastas has set. And ever 
since, despite his first season here, Tom Anastas, in my opinion, has been a bit of a disappointment as a head coach. He's in a win-now mode. He's got the contract renewed. He's in a win-now mode. He needs to win, and this team is starting to play like it. I think a lot of people did question him as a coach just because of his track record with the Spartans. But, Brian, I did want to ask you, you've been to every single game, and you, you're, you're even traveling to Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. So looking at this team, though, did you argue, could you argue that this last um, series against Ohio State, was that one of the best series they played? Because I know when, coach, when people ask that to Coach Anastas, he said, you know, I'm still thinking Minnesota was one of the best uh, series they had played. Yeah, you see, I would say this was the best six, you know, six period, 120 minute effort from this team. I, w- I would I would take away the Minnesota series, but just because of how poorly they played in the first game of that series, came back, fought at the next yep, yep, the next game, had a, had a terrific effort, and I think that's what started, that's what got the ball rolling for these guys. You know, like I said, since then the team has been playing pretty well. I mean, sure they lost to Michigan at the GLI, a very close game, and then they lost to Penn State, a game that they really weren't in after the first period. Let's dial this back, and to me, this is an important thing, and I agree, Faith. This team is starting to play well. It's kind of like what Tom Izzo said, and do I dare to bring a men's basketball comparison to hockey, (laughs) but do I dare to bring it up? I do, because Tom Izzo said, look, our seniors, meaning Michigan State, need to play to their potential, and it's not a surprise that Brent Darnell, a senior, is starting to play the way he should have been playing early in the season. He's playing to that level. This team is soaring you got to get production out of your upperclassmen. We're seeing that with Keller. We're seeing that now with Darnell. And I keep bringing this up, and I don't mean to sound redundant, but this is what this team needs, senior leadership and production from upperclassmen, and we're getting that. Let's not fail to mention Matt Barry mm-hmm. was out. He, so he was sitting yep. on the bench since December 6th. And mm-hmm. so Matt Barry comes back, plays his first game back on Friday, and he does score a goal. And I know a lot of the guys in the locker room were even saying it's great to have him back. He's He's been a leader. He's one of the seniors, and he gets them going offensively. Again, you get one of your senior leaders back. He comes back in the mix. No surprise, Darnell's playing at his potential. Is really, is this the series Michigan State needed, Brian, to kind of get the ball rolling? And now, as you know as a a college hockey guy, February is where you need to make the magic happen. Seems like Michigan State is clicking at the right time. Yeah, and and this absolutely, it it was such a hump for them to get over to get that second consecutive win, to put a team away the way they did. And so I think this this will only benefit them going forward. And I think it's also a blessing that they only have to play Michigan once this weekend. Absolutely. You know, I wanted to ask you, Bobo, because this has been something I've been watching the Spartans play, and it's been something on my mind. Now, the second game on Saturday, it was pretty uneventful in the first period, and not a lot happened. It was very nondescript. But in the second period, there was a penalty, and so that put OSU on the power play. Once Michigan State killed that power play, it really – Like, it gave them a motivation. It gave them a boost. And things started happening after that. And I wanted to ask your opinion because that's 21 straight Mm -hmm. power plays that they've killed. Now, I wanted to ask, do you think that that really does play an effect in terms of does that get them going? It it, it absolutely does, Faith. And it was a very similar thing to what happened in the game Friday night. They were outside of, of, you know, the scores and whatnot. They were kind of the same games. It It was tied. You know, both teams really weren't getting an advantage. Uh, in scoring chances, and then Ohio State takes a penalty, or Michigan State rather takes a penalty. Jacobs did, killed. Took, yep, yep, yep. Jacobs took a tripping penalty. Oh, I know Jacobs. Kills, <laughs> kill. They kill it off, and I think it was under a minute later. Ryan Keller puts the Spartans up one nothing. And then, if you look in the third period of Saturday night's game, they take a horrendous too many too pl- many men on the ice penalty. And Tom Anastas went on a good minute long oh, rant about how much that penalty bothered him. In his press conference, you know, he says it just drives you crazy. But give that, give the Spartan defense and Jake Hildebrand credit because they were under siege that entire two minutes of that penalty. And I think killing off that penalty frustrated Ohio State because then fast forward two minutes to two or three minutes later, they take the back-to-back major penalties on Michael Farentino and the Spartans put the game away. And that put them down two men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what they need. And Faith, you mentioned it. 22 straight, the special teams. You're killing off penalties that way. 
You got to win that way, but that's okay. I don't mind that. If you're going to get on the penalty kill, that's okay because, you, you know, you plan for the penalty kill. You don't want to be on the penalty kill, but it's the unfortunate reality. It's like the onside kick in football. Mm -hmm. You practice the onside kick. You don't want to be in the situation where you need to kick an onside kick, but you practice it. And I think that's another thing that no one is really talking about outside of really the hockey community is how they're killing penalties effectively compared to last year, how they're playing defensively of late compared to last year, and how they're starting to get some goals and getting production from their seniors versus last year. This team is making strides of being a better team. And I've said it last year going into this season, Michigan State has the extreme potential with Hildebrand being a junior this season, and we saw it. First star Friday, first star mm -hmm. Saturday. Hildy's going to be the guy you need going forward, and everything seems to click. But is this is what Michigan State needs? They can't take down penalties, can they? No. I absolutely not. Especially against the top, the more top, you know, more A team powerful. like Ohio State? Yeah. And let's be clear here. Michigan State has not played Michigan yet. They saw four games against Michigan. One at Yost, one here in East Lansing, one in Detroit, and one in Chicago. It's really potpourri. But those are four games. I think Michigan State needs to win at least three of those. And I think, honestly, Michigan is a better team than Michigan State, talent-wise. But if Michigan State is going to make the push, they're going to have to go slightly deep in that Big Ten tournament, and they're going to have to make a push. And where you, if you look at this schedule, where is Michigan State going to make their push? Wisconsin isn't Wisconsin this year. Do you steal some games there in Madison? What about Minnesota? They're the class of the Big Ten. Where do you get from them? There's a lot of variables here if you're Michigan State. you got to strike and realize, look, we gotta be, we got to be the viper. It's like a vampire. You see blood? Go get it quicker than Jaws would. We're giving a lot of praise to uh, the guys who are scoring the goals, making those offensive uh, plays. But, you know, if you know, you touched on it a little bit. Hildebrand has been playing incredibly well. And, you know, he's that last line of defense. He just had one – he only allowed one goal in 56 shots this past weekend. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, Hildy has – He is the unsung hero. He is the last guy, and you know, on defense – and he played incredibly well for I mean, them. I mean, let's talk about it. And, and I know I've given him a lot of credit. Hildy made 33 saves on Friday. I thought he was marvelous on Friday. I thought he was better on Friday than he was on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And he was more shots. Yeah, he yeah. was a little more busy uh, Friday night. Right. Yeah. And But to me, that's to me, if you're, that is more impressive for me, Brian, that you're making 33 saves. You're busy. You're under siege. And if you, if you slip up and let up a soft goal, that is deflating mm -hmm. for a team that needs a victory. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then you see it over on on Saturday. It's really not the same MO when you really look at it. It's only 22 shots you face. You imagine more busy. The first and third period, you're only facing five shots. Hildebrand even told Coach, he said, I don't want to be yeah. that busy. <laughs> he was yeah. like, right. next game. Yeah. And he's like, thank he's, you. Yeah, he's like, I, I appreciate that. No one wants to be <laughs> that busy. But when you make the saves when you need to for your team, that's what it really matters. 517-432-3893 is our number. If you want to call in and embrace a Spartan debate with Brian Faith and myself, we're talking Michigan State men's hockey, so feel free to call in. But, Brian, sorry to cut you off on that last one. No, I was going to say, you know, ever you know, since he's had one hiccup in the last five games, five, six games, and that mm. was the game against Penn, Penn State. State. But then again, the whole team had a hiccup. Right. So you, you look at his numbers, and I'm looking at, at his saves here. He's had, he has 30 or more saves in four of his last six games. He had a career. He had tied a career high forty-eight saves against Penn State, which Penn State is a shoot first and think everything else second mentality. <laughs> right. They basically they're basically built up on uh, on that shoot first mentality. Absolutely, and there's no doubt about it. You have to realize that that is what Penn State does. But you got to get it. You need to get pucks to the net, and Penn State has done that. And Michigan State is now, you mentioned it, they are getting 30 or more shots in X amount of games down the stretch. That's what you need. If you're Michigan State, that is what you need. And it's imperative that they keep doing this. And Michigan is a team that is smart, that is effective, and you got to go out and play, again, especially against these teams, Brian. Mm -hmm. But what scares me is Michigan State is 4-5-1 at Munn, but on the road they're anemic. They're 3-6-1. And to me, that's an issue. Neutral, I don't get much into that split because neutral's a crapshoot. You mm -hmm. just don't know. But to me, the biggest thing about this team is can they win on the road? And I understand a lot of those road losses came in October and came in November, but this team is different. And I think that stretch, as we see, 
February 20th, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota, back-to-back weekends, to me, is what the season is going to be pretty crucial that you get two, three wins there. And is that a tall order? I'm sorry. I understand Michigan State needs, they absolutely need a sweep when they can get it. I'll take a split against Minnesota. All right, now, Bobo, I do want to ask you this. They're coming up against a very difficult team um, this weekend against Michigan. They've won seven games in a row, 34 goals in its last five games, and they also had that sweep last weekend at Wisconsin, 7-4 to and 6-0. to So when Michigan State comes up to play Michigan, what's going to happen? What do these guys have to do to get that win? they got to stick to what they've been – yeah, they got to stick to what's made them successful in the last little run here. They really do because let's not forget when Michigan State played Michigan at the GLI championship, it was kind of like Michigan's JV team because they had so many players out in playing the World Juniors. They had some of their best players on that World Junior roster. So Michigan State really didn't see the best That's you know, a great the point. Best team. That is a great point, Brian. And you know, you we saw those World Juniors that was going on very late in December, early in January. But when it comes down to it, look, Michigan State is going to need to play with that kind of aggression. They need to play. And that's why I said it earlier, if you remember in this segment, they still have yet to play Michigan. Mm-hmm. And you, I want to just reemphasize that. I understand they played and lost against Michigan 2-1 to at the GLI. That was not Michigan. Nope. These four games coming up against Michigan is what Michigan is and what they are as a team, as a unit. That last game was a JV team. Mm-hmm. It's like a soccer team. You're playing the FA Cup. You're playing the B team. No, you're not because we want to save our, save our players for a Premier League game. It's very similar mentality. So what Michigan State needs to do to me is continue to shoot the puck, kill the penalties when if you get them. Don't take dumb penalties. Mm-hmm. That's huge because to me – Dumb penalties, especially, I'm going to give Jacobs a break, especially too many men on the ice mm-hmm. is a deflating penalty. Yes. It is. Even even he said that. Oh, yeah. I've seen it too many times in person. I've seen it quite a bit in college. It's a deflating penalty. These guys are not pros yet. So it's really how you take a team. And to me, the boys know how to kill a penalty and allow a goal after that. The men take a penalty, kill the penalty, and keep the momentum. And is that what Michigan State's going to do? They scare me because they've been always known these past couple years as not being disciplined. Are they still going to be disciplined? They're being more disciplined of late. But when I'm seeing that Ohio State is taking more penalties than them, that's okay. And we saw two game, a 10-minute ten, a ten game misconduct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going off on a limb on penalty minutes. But we can see, is that how Michigan State's going to play? they got to be hundred percent more disciplined than the other team and if they do that they're giving themselves a chance to win yeah because it seemed like with this team so far whenever they take those bonehead penalties you know the complete you know what are you doing you know what are you guys doing kind of penalties it usually in, in years past those have been the difference in the games but this year for whatever reason and I think it's it's a credit to Tom Anassis being able to develop a good amount of solid penalty penalty killers to the point where they can throw out any solid combination of guys and basically have faith in them to get the job done. And look, and, and this is a big thing. And you mentioned it. Michigan State in the past, they take a penalty, it's anemic. You walk out of the arena. I swear. I used to sit in slap shot. I would walk out of the arena because Michigan State used to be absolutely brutal. And when it rained with that team, it never poured. They didn't understand how to get the umbrella and be Mary Poppins and let it drizzle. That's what good teams do, Faith. That is what good teams do, is you take, when it pours, you understand to limit the damage. And in the Big Ten, in a a conference that's in its second year, that's what they need to do. And I don't know if you agree, I'm with Brian, can this team make it and make a push? If they play that way, they will. And it's something that comes down to what Tom Inez has talked about a lot, uh, when they're not off to a great start and, and they've dug themselves a hole, he's like, guys, you know, this isn't the start we wanted. We're digging ourselves a big hole here. The first thing we have to do is stop digging. Yeah. And I think that's what the team has done a much better job of this year. They've stopped digging 
and they've stopped making their hole bigger and they've been actually that's able the to biggest climb thing. trying to climb out. Yeah. Exactly. That's the biggest thing. Forget leave the ladder in the hole you dug. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? You're gonna climb yourself out and they're doing a great job. They are not digging themselves a hole. And I think with that, Brian, I think the biggest thing with that is you mentioned it. That's why Tom Anassis was so upset in the postgame presser. Those are that too many men on the ice penalty is shades of old school digging yourself a hole, undisciplined Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And they are getting away from that. And if they could continue to play effectively like this weekend, honestly, if you're a Michigan State hockey fan, this is the greatest week to be a fan. Mm-hmm. Because you just had your first sweep in 53 weeks, and you look good, and you're about to play your rival on Friday. They have confidence now, and they'll take that momentum and hopefully play a good game against Michigan. And Brian, before we let you go, speaking, Fate's got hope that they're going to play a good game against Michigan. What do you think? Do you think they get a week, a win this weekend at the Joe? Forget the Hockey City Classic. This weekend at the Joe, who do you got? At the Joe, I do not think Michigan State will beat Michigan. I think Michigan is just riding a tidal wave of momentum right mm-hmm. now. But then again, so are, so are the Spartans right. pretty much. So, you know, I think so it'll you're be— So se- you're selling. I'm, I'm selling. Is Michigan, I'm selling this week. Is Michigan State pretenders in the Big Ten? Are I they don't pre- think so. Okay. No, Hold I you don't to think it. so. Brian Bobble said Michigan State is not a pretender. Justin Bobble. Contender, but he thinks Michigan is riding the momentum. Brian, thanks so much, buddy. Thanks a lot, guys. You got it, Brian. And we'll be back here on The Pack when we come back. Faith and Fino, myself, we'll be talking about Michigan State women's basketball. That's right. We're going to give the ladies some love about how Ariel Powers now leads the NCAA as a sophomore with 16 double-doubles. All that and more from the Lady Spartans. Back after this. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, as a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to boostup.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. Boostup.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right, we're packed. On the pack, Fino Faith, Matt behind the glass as we continue to embrace the Spartan debate here. If you want to call in and embrace the Spartan debate with Faith and I, 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to join in the conversation on social media. At MSU Impact Sports is our Twitter handle as well here on the Pact. And Faith, our second segment, Michigan State Women's Basketball. And we haven't given the ladies Spartans a lot of credit. And in fairness to the ladies, it's been an up-and-down season with injuries for them. They're now 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten. They're back to 500, 10-10 overall for the season. They broke a two-game schneid. They went to Maryland. They got absolutely pulverized. But in their in Susie Merchant squad's defense, Maryland is 7-6, or six, whatever poll you look at. They did lose 56-85 in that game on January 22nd. But more importantly, this past Sunday, Michigan State beats a Wisconsin team that is technically better than them in the standings. Coming into that game, Faith, they were 7-11. and Now they're 7-12. and Michigan State gets the victory. Huge for them. 77-71. to And I saw a lot what I loved at the Lady Spartans. I had the privilege to be there. Girl Scout days, cookies were delicious. But <laughs> did you more, get cookies? I did buy cookies. Oh, good. Thin mints. Oh, good. Love delicious. Them. Love they, were, them. they were delicious. <laughs> and you know what? The girls played a better game than what the cookies tasted in my mouth. Well, I'm and glad Ariel to hear Powers that. as a sophomore. Coach Susie Merchant post-game told me, you know what? Ariel Powers has the potential to have her number retired in this arena and have her numbers in the rafters. The first women's women's basketball player to have her number retired in Michigan State history. That's the praise she's giving for Ariel Powers, Faith. As a sophomore, 
leading the NCAA in double-doubles with 16. This girl's impressive. The women's team really needed this win. Yeah. They did. And just looking back at their records, so right after Christmas, they played at home versus Northwestern, and that was on the 28th of December. Yeah. And from then to January 22nd, which was their last game, just a few days ago, they had lost seven of eight games. They were miserable. They were not. Yeah, they lost five game losing streak. They lost Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska, Northwestern again. Then they w- they pull out a win against Illinois. Then yeah. they lose against uh, Iowa and Maryland. That Iowa game was devastating. If you, oh, it was. It was a devastating game because Michigan State obviously had no business winning that game. Iowa is twenty two or twenty one, depending on which you know. It was poll, a heartbreaker. Yeah, which poll you want to lose? But to me, that game is huge because really Michigan State gave it their all. And there was questionable officiating, and I never blame the officials, but I will give Coach Merchant credit. There's a lot of blown calls in that game. Tori Jankoska should have been fouled in the act of shooting, and it would have been a three-point shot. Gave a foul on the floor. She made one free throw, tried to miss the other, made the other, and the rest was history. They lose. Granted, January was not the best month no. for this women's team. But if you look at all of their losses, have been mostly close. If you yeah. put, 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 put aside the Maryland and in, in Indiana, MSU has lost by only single digits in five of the other Big Ten losses. That, that includes the Iowa game, which they lost by two, and then Nebraska at home by four. I'll put it like this. The, la- the ladies are very Jekyll and Hyde because when they want to play well, they can play well. And I'll say this, the Notre Dame game in November, back up once upon a time, that game was 71-63. That game was closer than that score says. They were in that. And Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country. Okay? You play a Georgia team in Athens, you lose by nine, but it was a close game. Again, another score not indicative of what that game was. Then you play Baylor, you get blown out. Baylor's a better team, I understand that. But then you come back in that Florida Classic, in Florida, against a Syracuse team, and you beat them. And you beat them 89-76. A good victory. 89 points against a good Syracuse team, 19 or 22. AP or coaches, whatever poll you prefer. I put them all out there. But to me, the Nebraska game you mentioned, Faith, was close. Four points. The Iowa game was horrible officiating. But then again, Michigan State needed some execution things. They lose by two. And then the game against Maryland, that wasn't close. Fine, they're a better team. So I see two losses against ranked teams, Baylor and Maryland, that were completely lopsided. To me, this story about if you don't follow women's basketball here on this campus, and listen, I will make you a plead. Check this team out. This team deserves a lot more than it's getting. And it, it gets some support, Faith. But this team plays hard. Coach Merchant has been here whew, for eight seasons. And she has played and coached in her career, played excellent, and she has coached excellently in her career. And she has a, I say, a sneaky good program here. This team has made the NCAA tournament. I'm making a plea because this team is down this season. They're starting two walk-ons. No one talks about that. They're starting two walk-ons. And last game out of Kennedy Johnson, she gets a career game. She was a freshman. 11 points? 11 points. They had 19 Season, points off the bench, which was incredible. Led by Kennedy Johnson. And I asked her that. I asked, I was the one in the presser that asked her, Coach, tell me about Kennedy Johnson. I sat next to Sophia Busk, and I told her. I go, look, Kennedy Johnson is the girl to watch out for. And she goes, you know what, Fino, you've been telling me about Kennedy Johnson for weeks. And I, I'm the one that asked Susie, where does Kennedy Johnson fit? You don't have Jasmine Hines. Jasmine Lumpkin leaves the program. You need that big. You need that four. Everyone knows about Becca Mills. Jasmine Hines was that girl off the bench. She is not. She is no longer playing right now. So who comes up? Kennedy Johnson as a freshman. Coach Merchant said it is so much to ask out of Kennedy Johnson as a freshman to come back and give you minutes on the bench. She gives you a career game. She gives you a season high game. Season-high field goals, season-high points. And I heard her family was there for the first time to see her play. That's right. Is that correct? Because I heard that her brother plays uh, football for Penn State. Yep, that's what she told me. She told me, she goes, you know what, Fino? We need to give him a a waiver. We need to give him a waiver because the NCAA finds and gives waivers out to everyone. She said she needs to talk to Tom Izzo because Tom Izzo finds a way to get a waiver for everyone. So she told me, you know what? We need to find a way to get Kennedy Johnson's family at every game because she had a great <laughs> shot. She was rebounding. 
She had some done fouls, and Jankoska, I can't say over the air, what Jankoska told her on the floor. Cut the fouls out. Censored version. But more importantly, she cut him out. And although she was playing with four fouls, she's playing effectively, and she said, maybe we can work in the waiver for her family. <laughs> That's awesome. But, Fino, I also, you touched on it a little bit. Ariel Powers yeah. is absolutely killing it. She's unreal. Averaging 21.5 points per game, 12.1 rebounds. Uh, she, she recorded her 16th double-double this season. Yeah, and here, here's the thing about Ariel Powers. And I just, just want to let, let people know what you look at the box score, the box score is not indicative of Ariel Powers' game. Okay. 23 points in 37 minutes, 18 boards, 15 of those are defensive. When you look at that, you thought she had a great game. Ariel Powers told me she had a terrible game. She did not score a bucket until 13 minutes into the first half. And she, she was disappointed in that. And she was disappointed. She wow. was she was very upset. Ariel Powers said she had a terrible game. That is how good Ariel Powers is. Ariel Powers did not get her first bucket until seven minutes and 31 seconds in the first half. Ariel Powers is what makes this team go. She's a sophomore. She's elite. And I can't say it enough. If Ariel Powers plays at this level, maybe Michigan State can make a sneaky run in the Big Ten tournament. Who knows? Surprise people, get to 500 in conference, and maybe make the NCAA tournament. Now, Ariel Powers, she scored double digits in all 20 of the games this season. You know, yeah. they said, you said they're 10 and 10. Right, they're so 10 and 10. So in all of these games, she's scored double digits. Yeah, Ariel Powers. What's that- awesome is that she is only a sophomore. And, you know, and then we just spoke about Kennedy Johnson. She's a freshman. She's a freshman. So Susie Merchant is going to get a few more years out of these girls, which oh. is even better for their program. Oh, absolutely. I think I think Susie Merchant told me hands down the most important thing about this team is Ariel Powers and Tori Jankoska, two sophomores. They're best friends. Jankoska is excellent forward or guard. They play her at forward. They play her at guard. Whatever they have her listed. Jankoska and Powers are their two best players. They're both sophomores. They are both sophomores. Michigan State's backcourt, and I understand backcourt. She has listed at the three. Michigan State's backcourt, because Ariel plays the two, they're going to be a very good team in a couple years. Remember, they're playing with that Madison Williams, who's a McDonald's All-American. Now, Fino, I have a few questions for you, because you do cover all the games. Yep. So you're obviously watching these girls play. You're seeing them game to game. Every game. And and I wanted to ask you, you know, last year, MSU women's basketball went 13-3 and in the Big Ten. Yeah. And they're 23-10 and overall. Currently, they're 10-10. and yeah, it's the se- you know, and they only have nine games left. I just want to ask, like, what's what's different this season? Why is this happening? Is it you know the untimely injuries? Is it bad luck? Like, what what's happening? A couple things. Uh, Jasmine Lumpkin was supposed to be a huge part of the program. She left because she wanted to play closer to her family at Texas A and M. So Lumpkin leaves. She was getting serious minutes. Okay, she was playing a forward position for Michigan State. She started fourteen games yes. before she left. Yes, Jasmine Lumpkin started fourteen and fifteen games for Michigan State before she left. You lose Lumpkin. Do You're, do do people know why? I know Coach fam- Merchant. Okay. Family. It's a family issue. It's 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 a family issue. They wouldn't elaborate more. Jasmine Lumpkin wanted to play closer to her family in Texas. That's all Michigan State said. That was it. She was not dismissed from the program. She left. In, she left voluntarily. That's what they told us. I'm going with that. They have no reason to lie. To me, but Kara Miller stepped up though. Kara Miller stepped up. Now the thing is, you're starting our uh, Anna Morrissey. Anna Morrissey is a walk-on, so you are starting two walk-ons. Michigan State is depleted. If Becca Mills gets in foul trouble, you have no Jasmine Hines. You are now playing Kennedy Johnson. That's an issue, and it's nothing against Kennedy. And Coach Merchant said that to the media after Sunday's win. It's unfair to ask a lot about Kennedy because it's inconsistency because these are girls that are not supposed to be playing the amount of minutes they're playing. Kennedy They're jo- freshly new to the program. Kennedy Johnson played 16 minutes. Her career high in her career high in minutes this season is 27. Kennedy Johnson should not be playing that amount of minutes in a freshman year and it's nothing against Kennedy. I'm a big fan of Kennedy Johnson. I think Kennedy Johnson shows tremendous tremendous potential for Michigan State. But given the injuries with Jasmine Hines, we said it, Faith, you need your seniors to play well. Without Jasmine Hines, it is tough to ask that. Madison Williams, the unfortunate injuries. So now you're asking these underclassmen to step up for Michigan State. It's unfair, especially in women's hoops. Now, I do want to ask you, has it been kind of a issue with the free throws? Because right now, the women's team is last in the league with um, 67%. Mm. 
So is has that been an issue? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Michigan State, Michigan State needs to get to the line more, hundred percent. Michigan State needs to continue to get to the line more. I I joked about it. People go, wow. The men should really learn something from the women because they the the men shoot atrociously from the line. I mean, and the women shoot way better. And, and no, you, I mean the men's the men is last in the league as well for free throws percentage. Right. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, if you look at the stats, look, Michigan State, Susie said it. You got to make your layups. You got to make your free shots, and meaning she meant her free throws. Michigan State shot way better tonight or yesterday, yesterday afternoon, fifteen for seventeen from the line. But if you're Michigan State. The biggest thing was, and that was the thing, why Michigan State went four for 20, four for 20 beyond the arc in this game against Wisconsin, it's a big thing. Ariel Powers was missing a lot of threes. There were open looks, good Ariel Power looks. She just wasn't knocking them down. And she said that early in the game, we weren't knocking the shots down. And you look at Wisconsin, they were getting supreme efforts. Nicole Bauman gave him a season-high 23 points for that team. She played excellently. Tessa Sitchi, another girl, gave you a season-high 15 points. Now, I almost got run over by Emery Brown, (laughs) but she also had a good defensive game, despite her getting in a little bit of trouble foul-wise. No, Fino, I do want to ask you one last question. Sorry for asking. I know Mm. you cover them, so I want your insight. Mm. But, you know, People believe that this team is one of the better ones in the league or in the conference, I should say. But they have faced those injuries and other issues. But what do you think this, you know, how close do you think this team is close? Like, how close do you think they are to being one of the better teams in the conference? They're a year away. And, and it's sad. It's sad. It's really sad. And I emphasize sad for the fourth time because Susie Merchant after really the Iowa. sad. Yeah. Susie Merchant was basically in tears after the Iowa game because she said, you know what? It's just unfair to ask us about this. Uh, for, ask more from these girls. I don't know what to do. So, unfortunately, I think they're a year away, and that's okay. And when I mean a year away, I mean a year away from making a deep run. They're two and seven in conference. So, Michigan State needs to play pretty mistake free. The problem is you play Maryland and Rutgers at home. Two games I don't see them winning. It's going to be tough to ask them a lot. Iowa's another good team. Thankfully, they're done with Iowa faith. They play Indiana on Wednesday, but they're also struggling. They're two and six in the Big Ten, 12 and seven. Right. Overall. And the reason why I'm very pessimistic, they lost to Indiana early in the season, 70 to 51. But they've also lost it's their last three and five of their last six. Um, I look, I'm a big proponent. I wish the women, the ladies Spartans the best. And I think with Powers and Jankoska coming back again, you're getting they're both sophomores. When you're getting Jankoska and Powers back for two more seasons. I'm on board because when Coach Merchant told me that Ariel Powers has the potential to be the greatest women's basketball player to ever play at Michigan State, that's high praise. She said Powers should have her number retired at Breslin Center. Just sit on that for a second. That's some pretty insane praise. And she's so young still, you know, and, and to already hear those. And she words. leads the NCAA in double doubles. Yep. She rebounds like no other faith. You know, but what's cool is that, like you said, they do have time to grow and develop, they and do. they are getting major minutes on the floor at such a young age, and that's a little bit concerning because they typically don't get that many minutes. Yeah, but it is a good starting point for these girls who can have a, for, a few more years ahead of them, and they can just grow and develop from yeah, here. Yeah, because the core of the team is coming back, and I'll end with this, Faith. You get the core of the team coming back. Look at it, okay? Jasmine Hines, she graduates fine. I assume you're going to get Madison Williams back because, again, another ACL. I don't know what she's going to do. You lose Morrissey. That's very unfortunate. Jankoska comes back. Kara Miller comes back. Powers comes back. That's three starters right there, hands down. You lose Becca Mills. You can sling Kennedy Johnson in that mix there. You bring back three starters. Michigan State women's basketball, the future is bright for those ladies. I just could keep on playing hard basketball and I think they're in I think they're in for some better years of late faith no doubt third and final segment on the pack when we come back faith and I will dissect men's basketball Michigan State the men's team can't figure it out a lopsided but not lopsided score loss at Nebraska and it was a 79-77 game a score that was not indicative of the game back after this You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. 
Smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want mysmokefreeapartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. mysmokefreeapartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right. We're back on the Pact. Fino, Faith, Matt behind the glass. It's our third and final segment, Faith. Just to remind our listeners, if you want to call in and embrace the Spartan debate with Faith and I in our last segment, you know the number. 517-432-3893 is the number. Feel free to call in or embrace the Spartan debate on our social media at MSU Impact Sports. We have our Alexa McCarthy and crew back there handling our social media. But Faith, third and final segment here, Michigan State men's basketball. Michigan State falls to Nebraska at Pinnacle Bank Arena, which is a beautiful venue that I keep raving about and I will continue to rave about on air. They fall. They're 4-3 and three in the Big Ten, 13-7 now overall. <laughs> is this, more importantly, I cannot believe, and I'm going to say it before you bring it up, I cannot believe once upon a time I said this team has potential to make the Final Four. Because I just can't believe I said that. Because this team is a ways away from competing and getting to that Final Four if they get there. But you saw it. Michigan State's next game was supposed to be Rutgers. And, hey, a little snowstorm in New Jersey. Game is canceled. And Matt has informed me that the game will be played on Thursday at 6 p.m. on Big Ten Network. So, again, Michigan State coming back. The turnaround for that game is going to be difficult. Two-game, two-day rest, rather. A 1 p.m. early game on CBS in East Lansing against Michigan. In a game where Michigan State, they got they need, they need to beat Rutgers and they need to beat Michigan. You get back, you're now what? You beat you win those two games, Faith. Think about it. You're six and three in the Big Ten. You're 15 and seven overall. Stop the bleeding. This team needs to stop the bleeding. Because right now. You've lost two of your last three, and that game that you won against Penn State was a close game against a Penn State team that is playing hard of late, but they're still one and six in the Big Ten. I just want to talk about inconsistency yeah. with this team because you look, Michigan State was trailing by as much as 17 points in the second half. Somehow, magically, they cut the deficit to two with, you know, just two seconds left. But What's going on with this team? I tell you, they got to play more consistent. And I've said this. I've said this completely. You have, and I'm going to keep reiterating this. You dominate against Indiana by 20. You win a game against Iowa where you have a monstrous second half. You have a shaky game against Northwestern. And then you get absolutely mellow tremble, just absolutely dismantles your whole team. You lose 75-59 in Maryland. Sneaky game against Penn State. Almost caught Michigan State sleeping. And then you lose to an NCAA team last year, Nebraska, that a lot of people were selling. But I guess what? Nebraska now has people's attention. Tim Tim Miles has done a great job over there. But my concern is that Michigan State, with two guys out for Nebraska, two key guys, David Rivers had a sprained left knee, so he sat out. And Walter Pitchford threw an elbow, I think, to Costello. He got ejected less than four minutes into the game. With those two big guys out, Michigan State cannot capitalize on that. Look, and and I want to ask you about that in a second. You mentioned not capitalizing. Here's the most shocking thing for me for Michigan State. You out-rebound. And usually when Michigan State out-rebounds someone, you win. And you mentioned it. Walter Pitchford gets ejected from the game, which is a questionable flagrant two. 
Que- well, nonetheless, it was so early in the it game. It was questionable. More importantly, Michigan State 48 rebounds versus Nebraska's 26. When Michigan State re- out-rebounds a team, they win. What's the deal? The deal is Michigan State is not hitting shots. 66 shots. Seriously? You shoot 66 times. You're making 27 of those shots. You're losing. So I understand how you out-rebound a team like that. You basically, oh, you double their rebounds essentially, and you shoot 41%, you're losing. I'd argue probably the difference in this game was the free throws. And I've preached this. And if you've listened to us on the pact before, I feel like I'm yeah. a broken record. But these are gimme points. I'll say these this. Are, these are gimme points. No, they missed 10 free throws. They were 15 for 25. I think it is the biggest difference. I agree. What about turnovers? Is that not an issue for oh, you? Oh, no, that is a big that, issue. That's ridiculous. 16 turnovers. I, I mean, honestly. I, I, I they had 11 turnovers in the first half. I feel bad at this point. I don't know what to do anymore. I come here, I just slam the men's team every week. And it's not that I don't like the men's team. They got some great players. You know what just bothers me, though, Faith? They're not playing to their potential. I'm killing them. I kill them every week. You're not making your free throws. You're shooting 66 shots a game? Come on. That's ridiculous. And then you turn the ball over 16 times. 11 not- times in the first in the first. Half. It just, it just, it's, re- I mean, the, this, the, the, and just when you think it gets worse, Tom Izzo says your seniors need to play well. It's like we're watching Kobe Bryant is now Travis Trice, nine for 24. It's, it, it's brutal. It's brutal. He had a career high of 27 points. Faith, he shot Most the Most of them late during Faith, the game. He shot the ball 24 times. And more importantly, I said it opening up this segment. This score was not indicative of what the game was. The score, Michigan State lose by two. If you look at the box score, oh, Michigan State almost came back, almost won the heart, almost, ah, almost snuck it out there at Pinnacle Bank. No. The game was not like that. Michigan State put up 25 points in the first half. You put up 52 in the second, but you just didn't execute. Travis Trice had 23 points in the second half alone. But he, he shot the ball 24 times. To me, it's like the Barry Bonds home run record in Cooperstown. This this career high for Travis Trice should have the asterisk because you shot the ball 24 times. Yeah, but nonetheless, we've always said that there really is no go-to guy. Travis Trice is the one. That Michigan State does go to when oh, they yeah. need points. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I can't. I can't complain though. Denzel Valentine also had a good game. I said it. You want to know what a good game is? Teron Petaway, ten for 17, 32 points. He's their best player. He was the best player on the court, and I said it. Not only does he have a great hairstyle, he's the best basketball player on that court. Period. Period. And here's another thing. You could talk about Travis Trice. What about Brendan Dawson not getting to the free throw line? He had 18 rebounds. That's though. great. But they're also playing without Walter Pitchford, who's their big. And a questionable, again, a questionable flagrant two. Was that intentional? What'd you think? I don't know. It didn't look intentional to me. But I'm going to be honest with you. The thing is, with, with that foul and also, like I said, with David Rivers sitting out, it does concern me because those are two big guys out. Now, you now Michigan State has Costello and Schilling and they did not perform. Even they didn't even take advantage of that. I mean, no, Schilling only had five points, and Costello had one. Because Schilling was in foul trouble the whole yes, game. Yes, both of them were. That's they the both pro- had two early on. And what does that tell you? Uh, this this is what that tells you. If Michigan State gets in foul trouble, are they as deep as they think they are? But those are two guys that I think Michigan State does need to depend on. I mean, and they're not going to go far unless these guys start performing. I mean, I've been slamming Tum Tum. I think Tum Tum's a hell of a basketball player. I really do. Tum Tum fouled out in eleven with in eleven minutes. Just that's ridiculous. I understand he's a freshman, but that's the dynamic you need off the bench. Heck, explains why Michigan State had twelve assists all game. It's, it, 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 you can just look at the box score, or you can watch the game. You could tell who had a good game, who didn't have a good game. I'm watching it. I see Walter Pittsburgh get thrown out of the game. I think Michigan State's gonna have the game on on a platter. Then they don't force the ball down low. You get guys in foul trouble. You put 25 points in the first half. Come on. The problem was those guys did get in foul trouble, and they had to use guys off the bench very early. Like, Colby Wallenman went in seven minutes in. Javon Best, he came, he's still coming back from an injury. He had to go in and play Best a, a certain amount of minutes, too. Best started the game. You know Best is not 100%. He is starting. 
And Coach Izzo said, by this time of the year, he's hoping to found his rotation. His rotation is, who knows where? Where is his rotation? He doesn't have one right now. And that shows you, Brent Forbes is your sixth man. I love Brent Forbes off the bench. But in 26 minutes, he's giving you four points. He's got to shoot more than four times a game. I, I'm very critical. Brent Forbes, when he is on, he is on. When he is off, please pass the ball away from him. He needs to shoot the basketball. One game, Brent Forbes was seven for seven. Keep shooting, Bryn. Keep shooting. You need to shoot the basketball more. This team can't rely just strictly on Travis Trice, Brendan Dawson, and Denzel Valentine. No. no, but but the, but the thing is, Coach Izzo said it. And I alluded to this in the hockey segment. Remember when I said that you need big play out of your seniors? He's not getting big play out of his seniors. No. He's not. I understand Denzel Valentine is not a senior, but he needs to play better. He needs to. And he had a great game. Double-double, 21, 11, four fouls, whatever. Eight for 17 beyond, you know, from the field. 30% beyond the arc. Whatever you want to say, fine. But to me, Denzel needs to relax with the fouls. Gavin Schilling needs to relax with the fouls. And more importantly, Denzel Valentine needs to stop turning the ball over. It's just... He is the turnover machine on the team. And you know, I'm just critical because I see the potential of Michigan State. And I'm not saying that because we're on Michigan State's campus. I'm saying that because I see the potential with Michigan State. I really do. But when you see Michigan, they got up for their game day game against Wisconsin. They are playing depleted. That's a game, and that's a team that had no business winning that game, and that's a team that had no business winning that game as well. They went out there. Walton Jr. makes the shot. That goes into overtime, and now we have a game that they had no business winning. No business. Now, is Michigan State going to beat that team at home? You better hope they do. Now, Michigan State keeps falling after all these losses. They're now tied for fifth with five other teams in the Big Ten. It's a, yeah. well, you know, with three, with three losses, do you think Michigan State can't win the conference? They can't win the regular. They cannot win the regular season. No, I don't. Because I don't see them going to Wisconsin and winning. And that's really what it's going to come down to. No. But, 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 Michigan State has surprised me in the past before. And I've given Michigan State a lot of credit. They can get out at the right time and win the Big Ten tournament. I could see that. Because you know what? I understand people go, Tom Izzo, March guy, 20th season, magic happens. I get it. But you know what? I don't think it's outrageous if they win the conference tournament. I think it's outrageous if they win the conference, yes. See, I'm concerned because they still need to go play at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Indiana, and then they play home at uh, against Ohio State. You know, those are four games that could, uh, in my opinion, easily be lost. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, they almost lost against Northwestern at home. I mean, that leaves— They might lose to Northwestern on the road. That leaves seven games. Why not? If if they can win them. And here's the thing. And, and, and let's just break it to reality here. Michigan State cannot win the conference in the regular season for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, they're just not good. Two, Wisconsin is better than them, and they need help from Wisconsin. Three, they got swept by Maryland brutally at home in a double overtime loss, and they got absolutely smacked on January 17th. Hashtag Mellow Tremble. And <laughs> more importantly, they need help from them. They need Maryland to lose. Maryland isn't losing. I said it, that Maryland's addition to the Big Ten would be a game changer. Because you get this whole, this Big Ten dynamic, you had Maryland now, that ACC team that's gritty. Maryland in their first season as a Big Ten team is showing that they're arguably the best team in the conference. And from what I saw out of Wisconsin at Michigan, I understand it's a game day game. I understand a lot of guys didn't play as well as they should have, but... Maryland, to me, is the best team in the Big Ten. I'm saying that without a doubt. Why? You there's should, no doubt. There's no doubt. So you're agreeing with yes. me. Yes. <laughs> Maryland is the best team in the Big Ten by far. They're 18-3. and three. They're 16 in the country. They're underrated. They're 6-2. and two. They have everything going for themselves. They have NBA guys in that team. Maryland's a good team. So to just bring in perspective, the season isn't over. Don't jump off a cliff. They're 13-7. and seven. They're 4-3. and three. They're above 500 in conference, which is good. So if Maryland keeps winning and Wisconsin keeps winning and they have teams like Indiana who are now ranked, I understand Indiana's starting to struggle of late, but now that they're ranked, look, the Big Ten is better than what people thought it was. And it's the same thing with football. People thought the Big Ten was terrible, myself included. I was wrong. 
Ohio State wins a national championship. Things happen. Same thing with the Big Ten Conference. People think that the Big Ten Conference is not as good. Things happen. Things change. I think with this Michigan State team, though, they're still on the edge of making that tournament. If you look ahead, they still need Tournament team. Tournament team. Okay. That, that, that's all I'm saying now. Every week I'm going to ask you, how far will this team go? <laughs> will this team even make the NCAA tournament? Hold your horses. This team is an NCAA tournament team, not an, not an NIT team. Yeah, if they have more than 13 losses, though, I have a feeling. That... I don't think they're going to get 13 losses. But I'm saying that's going to be on the, that's on the brink of the going agree, to the tournament. I think 13 losses in the Big Ten is acceptable. And if we had more time, I'd tell you why. And that <laughs> probably does it for us here on The Pack this evening. Thank you so much to Brian Bulbo, our guest in our first segment, talking Michigan State men's hockey. Faith, we got to talk to Brian more. He was great. We got some good insight from him. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. For our guys behind the glass, and especially Matt, for producing our show each and every week. To my co-host, Faith Kogalecki. Again, Matt behind the glass. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Aloha. Mahalo. Stay warm, everyone.